Today we're going to talk about what the focus of your life is. We're in this time when we're beginning to unpack the vision that we believe that the elders and the staff, the ministry that God has laid before us. And last week we launched this series and I gave you all the five objectives. And what we're going to do over the next several weeks is we're going to walk through them one at a time. And I'm going to share messages that I believe are going to be very critical to us as a church. And so my prayer and my request is that you would follow along with this and you would participate in these because this is going to be very defining to where God is leading us. We're talking about the vision. We're talking about what's our focus going to be. Just like when you start a new year and you make the commitment or you make the resolution or you make the promise that this is going to be different, that's got to be followed up with something, with an idea of what the target is. Many of you have seen this. This we call the triangle. This is a way that we define our mission. And our mission is to lead people into a relationship with Jesus, create disciples. And a disciple is somebody, and this is where this triangle comes into play, is someone who lives their life in Christ. And we'll spend a lot of time talking about what that means. And not only do they live in Christ, but that then begins to affect all of their world around them, especially their relationships. And so there's lots in Scripture that teaches us how do we live with one another. And we need to live with one another differently than the world says. It's a different set of values. It's a different perspective. It's a different paradigm than what the world does. And then we believe that God gives each one of us a mission. And the five objectives that we talked about last week flow out of this. That they're, they're tangible things that we think God wants us to put some flesh onto the bone, some structure onto uh, the plan. And this is where we're going to be going over the next several weeks. So today, I want to talk to you about the very first one. And the very first one is our, is our prayer that everyone would lead one. So we're talking about sharing your faith. Now I'm going to be honest. I know that as I say that, the defenses inside of you go up immediately, right? Everybody gets uncomfortable. How do I know that? Because I get uncomfortable. I remember hearing that and thought, oh, they want me to share my faith. And all that I could picture was this kind of response right here. And if it wasn't the talk to the hand, I know that's a 90s phrase, but if that wasn't talk to the hand, then it was actually going to be something that looked more like this. And this is the response that I am always afraid of getting that Hey, let me say something to you and it's going to be no thanks or, oh, the eye roll that only your children can give you. But here's what I want us to understand. This idea of being a witness, and that's the way that Scripture describes us. And this is for those that are already following Jesus right now, because what you need to understand, witness is not something that we do but it's who we are. That's the way that Scripture describes us again and again. W witness is not simply something that we show up in a moment, and we do, and then we outside of that moment we go and do something else. 
witness is more about who we are. It would be more like describing yourself as a parent. There are times when parenting is in full action, right? You, you, you're doing the verb parenting. But even at the times when it's not full on, guess what? You're still a parent. Or maybe it's a spouse. But whatever that is, that's not just something you do on occasion. It's something that defines who you are. So I'm going to take us to a place in Scripture where I think that we're going to learn a lot of things because it shows the way God works in this process and how we go about the task of, of just being witnesses every moment we can. <clears throat> and at the end, I'm going to talk to you about the reason that I'm so passionate about everyone lead one. Everyone leads somebody else into this relationship with Jesus, into this in Christ with one another on mission life that we're called to have. <clears throat> Excuse me. I'm going to go to Acts chapter 8. And if you want to use the westernhills.church, you can find it there and open an app. I'll be reading from the English Standard Version. Your version may differ slightly, but here's a powerful story that I think unpacks so much about who we are and what we need to be. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise and go south, go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. Now, Philip, one of the early church leaders, one of the guys that had fallen in love with Jesus, had given his life to Jesus, and now he is serving Jesus any way he can. And God has a very interesting interaction with him. God tells him directly, I want you to go. And so Philip goes to this place, and then the next line that Luke, who we believe wrote Acts, tells us, he says, this is a desert place. So there is no other reason for Philip to be here other than God sent him here and he responded. Keep going. And he rose and went. There's the faithfulness. And there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all of her treasure. We're talking about an important official here. He had come to Jerusalem to worship, and now he was returning, seated in his chariot, and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. So he is reading a portion of Scripture that comes from the Old Testament. We have this portion of Scripture in our Bibles. It's the book of Isaiah. And the Spirit said to Philip, Go over and join this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked him, Do you understand what you're reading? And he said, How can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the passage of Scripture that he was reading was this. And so what Luke does is he now quotes the portion of Scripture that, that this Ethiopian official was reading and apparently he'd gotten tripped up on. He'd been in a Bible study, and some of this has happened to you. You're in a Bible study, and you're reading something long, and you hit a part, you go, I don't get it. I, I, I don't, I, I'm lost here. Here's the part that tripped him up. Like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter. And like a lamb, 
before its shears is silent, so he opens not his mouth. Meaning, he was just quiet this whole time. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generations? For his life is taken away from the earth. So he shares that portion with Philip. The, the official shares it with Philip. And then he asks his question. Here's what's got me stumped. And the eunuch says to Philip, About whom, I ask, does the prophet say this? About himself or someone else? Is Isaiah talking about himself? I don't understand the reference. I'm, I'm getting lost in the first person, second person, third person here. Is he talking about himself? Or is he pointing us to somebody else? Verse 35. If you underline, you highlight. Here's what I want you to highlight. Then Philip opened his mouth. And beginning with this scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. As they were going along the road, they came up on some water. And the eunuch said, here's water. What prevents me from being baptized? And so he commands the chariot to stop. And they both went down to the water, Philip and the eunuch, and baptized him. When they'd come up from the water, the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away, and the eunuch saw him no more. And he went, away on, he went on his way rejoicing. But Philip found himself at Azotus, and he passed through and preached the gospel to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. This whole story convicts me in so many ways. So what I want to do is I want to take apart just some of the pieces uh, of this story for us and believe how it, God works in this process of being a witness or sharing our faith with one another. And Philip begins this process by being sent by God. And so you, you have Philip who's faithful and being available to response, and then he gets this sense to go somewhere. And you already see the Holy Spirit at work. You already see it beginning to play out, that, that this is not simply Philip waking up and going through his day unaware. But he is going to be open to where God is going to, to lead him. And I think we've got to be in a posture where we're available to God to do that. Now, what does that look like? How, how do we get there? And it's simply an awareness, and we're going to talk about this in the end. In fact, I've got a challenge at the end for you. To see your life through a new set of lenses, a new focus, just like the video was calling us to, a new focus that says, not witness is something I do, but it's some. It's what I am. And so there's this always ready availability for it. And so Philip is led to this deserted place. This place where, where it seems like nothing's going to happen. It's not the place that you would go and you say, okay, I know that I'm going to get some, some possibilities here. I know I'm going to get some prospects here. Philip goes down this road, and he's walking on the road, and suddenly I can only imagine that there was like this cloud of dust coming because, you know, the, the official's in a chariot. And all I can picture is Ben-Hur. You know, this chariot's come riding up. It probably was actually larger than that, more like what we'd probably call a stagecoach. And he comes, he comes riding up, and I love what Scripture says. It says, go up and, and run alongside him. 
So that had to be a sight, right? You know, Philip's, I mean, he's on foot, and here's this chariot going along. And I wonder how long he had to, you know, did he wave to get his attention? You know, was there other people trying to run alongside this? But here he is out in the middle of nowhere. And here comes the most unlikely person. This is not a Jewish person. This is not somebody that lives in Israel. This is somebody that's from a completely different ethnic group, from a completely different part of the country. He's way up in the government of that country. And you got to understand, this time, we have what we believe in what we call separation of church and state. And you can believe lots of different things and participate in the government. This is not that time. He most likely would have spent most of his life practicing a completely different religion. But there is something going on in his life where he's gone to Jerusalem and he's been there for worship, but he doesn't have all the pieces yet. He's reading God's Word, but he hasn't yet met the living Word that is Jesus. There's a gap in his understanding. There's a gap in his connection. He hasn't brought all the dots together yet. And so Philip goes, and in this deserted place, this place that Philip didn't know who he was going to encounter, he begins this interaction with this official. And so I'm going to give you some takeaways as we go. And the first takeaway is this. There are people that are on God's radar who are not yet on yours. There is people that's already around you that are close to the heart of God. And He is seeking them, wanting to redeem them. And they're not yet on your radar. But we're going to ask that God would put them there. So part of what we're going to do is we're going to open our eyes and we're going to start paying attention. And we're going to put ourselves in that posture that says, God, I'm here to be a witness. I'm here to be used by you. So I don't know if these people that God's going to reveal to you, I don't know if they live down the street. I don't know if they're in the cubicle. Maybe they're in the next service bay. Maybe they're on your sports team, in your band, in your choir. Maybe they're in your family. That got close, didn't it? But they are on God's radar, even if they're not yet on yours. And so Philip goes and he runs along beside the chariot and he overhears and he shouts in the chariot, Do you understand? And the guy says, Whoa, stop the chariot. And Philip does what I would consider the greatest act of faith in this one is he steps into the chariot. He steps in not knowing if he's going to have all the answers. He steps in not knowing that what the guy's questions are going to be. He doesn't know any of the background. He doesn't know anything. He just steps into the chariot. And he finds that he's reading Scripture already. And he's willing to help. And what I want 
us all to understand from this is that as we think about following where God leads, I want you to be convinced at your core of this. And here's my second takeaway. God is already at work ahead of you, in you, and through you. God's already at work. See, we sometimes fall into a false assumption that, that I've got to get it all right if they're going to come into a relationship. I, I, I've got to have all the answers, all the knowledge, all the expertise. And what we do is we end up disqualifying ourselves. We talk ourselves out of it. They need somebody else. Let's get them to Scott because he's a professional Christian. He'll know what, that, what, what that's like. That's not what the call is. See, he's already reading Scripture. God's already at work before Philip ever shows up on the scene, right? And what I want you to believe about this moment and any moment that God gives you and the whole way that we're approaching this, this vision, these are not five things that we think by our will, by our skill, by our smarts, by our strategy we're going to accomplish. What we are going to do is we're going to pray, and we're going to pray diligently, and we're going to pray often and consistently that these are things that God would do among us and through us. These are things that God will do in you and through you. That's what this is. So it's, it's not about all of my knowledge. Now, I'm for studying the Bible. I, I love studying the Bible. I recommend it highly. But what I don't say is, you got to spend a couple of years studying, and then you might be ready. See, it's not, it's not that I get myself so skilled, now I'm available for God. God, let me put the work in, I'll be back to you. God is desperate right now because He is seeking to redeem all of His lost children. Remember the story, the tragic story, Nettie, Hall Nettie Holloway, the young girl that went missing on her senior trip with her school? They'd gone to Aruba, and with a foreign country, she disappears, and there's no trace of her. It stayed on the news for weeks for a reason. Because her mom would not let it go away. And she just kept, she showed up on the scene and she got in the face of any official and she got on any camera and she talked to any reporter and she was just crying out, help me find her, help me find her. I want her to come home. That's the heart of God. God's children are lost. And he is desperate. He is intentional. He is seeking. And he's inviting us to participate in that. And he's not 
waiting for you to gain a certain skill level or a certain knowledge level. Because really, what, what is witnessing? What, what is this idea that we're called to do? It's not because I've got all the answers and I know all the, the facts. It's because I know what God, through Jesus, did for me. That's what I'm talking about. That's what I share. That something happened in my life. Something happened in your life if you're a follower of Jesus. And guess what? You're the expert on that. Congratulations. That's what we share. And sometimes we get hung up in thinking that, that it's going to sound like bragging. Let me just kind of leave you that one just for a second. When we share, we're not telling, saying that I'm so good that I found God. If that's what you're proclaiming, you're not sharing a gospel message. Because the gospel message is that God's so good that he found a guy even like me. And that he got a hold of me. And he was already, remember, he was already in search of me long before I looked his direction. There's the message. God is already at work. He's ahead of you in whoever you're going to interact with, and he's going to work in you and through you. And all through Scripture and right here with Philip, there's this example and this promise that God's going to give you the words. God's going to give you the words. The Holy Spirit is a part of this process. We must believe that, and he's going to speak through you in that moment. And You may, you may have this moment, and, and boy, I hope you do, where you're interacting with somebody and they're sharing and you say something and in your mind you're going, where did that come from? That was good. I'm going to take notes on myself. Because that's how God works. That's the Spirit at work. When you hit one of those phrases, one of those lines, one of those responses, one of those answers, you're like, thank you. Because that's God at work. And what Philip did, remember that one line I said to underline, is he stepped into the chariot and then he opened his mouth. I am all for you living your life as a good example. What God is asking us to do is not just be an example, but open our mouths and put a word in for Jesus. Speak. Share. Doesn't say he preached a sermon to him. But it did say that he responded and he opened his mouth and he started talking about Jesus. And he talked about all that he knew about Jesus. And notice what the chapter says or what the scripture says. It says, and that was sharing the good news. Once again, not good news, I'm so good that I found God, but the good news that God found me and he can find you. Good news is, not only can he find you, but he's looking for you. And this is the call for anyone that follows Jesus. This is who we are. In fact, here's takeaway number three. Everyone 
was reached by someone. Everyone was reached by someone. Somebody told you about Jesus. At some point in your life, somebody came along and they began the conversation with you about Jesus. For some of you, it may have been very young. For some of you, it been been well after college. But somebody came along. And here's my question. Aren't you grateful that they did? Aren't you glad that they overcame whatever obstacle, that they were willing to step up into your chariot and open their mouths and speak on behalf of God? That's what he's inviting you to be. Everyone is reached by someone else. And God does not use just preachers like me. In fact, I think oftentimes we get in the way. But he uses everyone to reach someone. And many of you heard me say before, if you think about where you go to work, or where you go to school, or the sports team that you're on, or the bridge club, or the book club, or whatever, wherever you go in and move out throughout the week, in that environment and in that arena, who is more strategically positioned to put a word in for Jesus? You or me? You are. Hands down. Everyone is reached by someone. Will you be the one that reaches another? That, that's the opportunity that we have. <coughs> so here's my big question for you. Are you willing to step into chariots and open your mouth? Are, are you willing to make the phone call? Have a cup of coffee? Send a text message? Walk across the street? Check in on somebody. Be there to answer a question. Talk to them about what's going on in their life. Talk to them about how their marriage is. When they're struggling in grief, bring a word of encouragement. All all these different countless ways, whatever it is, are you willing to step up into the chariot when that moment presents itself and you know that God's already at work in that life and there's somebody that God wants to redeem and wants to call back as his own child, will you open your mouth? God is looking for people to step up, get into the chariot, and begin speaking. I thought I was really good at math. My 10th grade year was probably my peak year in math. Now I live in a house full of everybody else in the house is much better at math than I do. So when it comes to helping the kids with the homework, math's not on my response, list of responsibilities. But my 10th grade year, I was in Algebra 1. I had Miss White as a teacher. And Miss White is one of those teachers that when you look back and think about your teacher, she's the kind of teacher you remember with great fondness and appreciation. She was both an expert in her subject matter, and she just seemed to have a knack at knowing how to handle Squirrely sophomores. Carrie Turner, a friend of mine, sat in front of me. 
And every day, she would give the lesson up front. She'd go through the example problems. She'd work them out. We'd listen. And when she got done with the lesson, she'd make the assignment, okay, now you're going to work on problems, you know, you know, two through through 18, even only. I don't know why it was always seemed like we did the even problems. As soon as she got done, Carrie would spin around and say, I don't get it. And the first couple of times, I was like, dude, you got to do your own shit. Turn around. And early on, I made eye contact with Miss White and she gave me a knowing nod, and it's like, it's okay. Okay. And so Carrie would turn around, and then I would explain the very problems that we just went over to, to, to him. And then he'd go about do his work, and I'd do mine. I got great grades that semester. Semester came to an end, and the change of semester, I stayed in that class period. His schedule changed. And so that put him in a different class period. And so now I'm, we're not having that interaction every single day. Six weeks into it, I go up to Mrs. White's desk. I'll never forget this. I go up to her desk and I'll go, I'm struggling. My grades were plummeting. I don't know what's going on. I thought I had all this stuff figured out. She looks at me, and in that wisdom and that knowledge that you just know she's right, she says, Scott, because Carrie's in a different class, you're not sharing it anymore. Do you get it? My knowledge grew the more I shared it. Your faith grows the more you share it. Promised and guaranteed. There's a song that I love. It's by the group Counting uh, 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 not Counting Crows, sorry. Casting Crowns. They named it after Counting Crows. <laughs> Casting Crowns. Let me get the right one. I put a link to this song in westernhills.church under our message resources. It's called Somebody. I'm just a nobody trying to tell anybody about somebody that saved my soul. I want you to listen to that this week. I want to encourage you because I've got a challenge for you as we conclude. If you have your cell phone, I want you to pull out your cell phone. It's okay. You have my permission. Some of you are already on it, I know. Every cell phone now has a reminder. I want you to pull up your reminders because I'm going to challenge you to set a reminder twice a day and pray. Now, if the times I say don't work for you, that's fine. But I'm going to challenge you to do it 10 and 2. That's how you drive a car, right? 10 and 2. 10 o'clock and 2 o'clock, I want you to set a reminder to pray. And I want you to be very specific on what your prayer is. And here, here's the two things that I want you to pray for at 10 and at 2 each day. Number one, I want you to pray for God to place someone on your heart. I want you to pray that God would do what he did for Philip. And he directed him to somebody. That, that he's going to open your eyes. And, and maybe they're already on your radar. Maybe they're not. I don't care. I want you to be praying 
for God to place someone on your heart. And then I want you to pray for God to send workers. Send people, not just to them, but that God would raise up people willing to step into chariots and open their mouth. I want you to do that for one week. We'll talk about it again next week. But do it for one week. This isn't forever and ever. If you want to keep going with it, I'm not going to stop you there. But the challenge is for the next seven days. And I just want us to experience this together. So that we're experiencing this moment that when it pops up on my phone, I know that you're praying. And I'm going to be praying. And we're going to be praying for the Holy Spirit to be working. Again, this is not how clever we are. But among us and through us, God's going to be doing these things. And so I want you to pray that he identifies a one for you. And you pray for responses for people to come. Not just you, but others to come. That God would raise up an entire army and a movement even out of our church right here. So we're going to begin this whole thing with prayer today. I'm going to invite Craig Prather, one of our shepherds, up. And each time we go over one of these, we're going to have a shepherd pray for it. And so I would like to invite you as a way to respond and receive this prayer. If you would, just stand right where you are. Go ahead. Now, that's your cue. Stand where you are. Craig's going to pray over us, and then we're going to sing our our song of encouragement uh, uh, together. But receive this prayer and let God begin opening up the one to you that he's going to be calling you to. Craig? Let's pray. Father, we come to you this morning. And Father, we ask that your spirit would fill us. Father, I pray that we would feel your spirit at work within us. And Father, this week as we uh, go to our daily lives, I pray that you would place someone on our heart that needs to know you. And Father, I pray that you would give us boldness, that you would give us courage, that we could feel the power of your spirit working within us. And we'll open our mouth. Father, I pray for, for those that do have that, that special person in their life that they know they should open their mouth. And Father, I pray that uh, today, tomorrow, this week, will be that time. That they will sit down in the chariot and open their mouth. And Father, we just ask that you... Continue to guide us, continue to talk to us. Father, I pray we'll be still enough to hear you as the call goes out. And we'll be bold enough to step into messy situations and tell those folks about you. Father, I pray that the, uh, the message would land on fertile soil, that it would be heard but most of all, Father, I pray for the boldness to go into the world for you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.